Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today I have a guest all the way from the UK. I have Callie Harmon. Hey, Callie. Hi, Anika. How are you today? I'm absolutely great, and I'm very excited about doing this, and I thank you for letting me on to speak today. It is my pleasure because you have a story like no other. And I think that a lot of people can resonate. Your story will resonate with them because a lot of people suffer in silence and they go through things alone. And I really like for people to have that, that spotlight, that, uh, you know, that aha moment when they hear somebody else's story, because, you know, it brings them out of the darkness. And I feel like you're going to do that for a lot of people today. So I want you to um, introduce yourself to listeners. Tell them who you are and what you do. So my, I, I, I'm a health transformation specialist. I do lots of things, but I wanted to combine all of what I do under one umbrella. So I've trained for so many years and I've helped people, whether that be to get fitter, whether that be through changing their diet, whether that be through coaching, but really, this is about combining all of those together to help people and women specifically to excel. And I find that uh, particularly women who are aspiring to do more, maybe that's in business, maybe entrepreneurs, but finding themselves getting burnt out because this is such a big problem nowadays, women getting burnt out. And I really want to help women to get over that one. That's, that, that's really important because, you know... <laughs> I've kind of been probably burnt out for the last week, you know, just kind of having to push back from everything because it's overload. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, there's a lot of benefits to entrepreneurship, but there's also a lot of challenges, you know, and part of that is balance, you know, and boundaries. You know, I know for the first year of business, I kept thinking that I needed to answer something the minute it came across that I didn't want to lose a lead, you know, and it's hard to establish boundaries. You know, and no matter what people tell you, it's like, you just don't understand, you know? And so you kind of go against everything that you know, just trying to make it happen. But it does lead to burnout. And you actually tap onto every aspect of uh, being a woman when you're tying in your education with nutritional science and with nutritional therapy, um, binging. You, you kind of bring it all together because a lot of the different uh, perspectives play on each other. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think, I think a lot of people don't get that. Why they need these different parts of, of life coaching and, and coaches and all. They don't really see the correlation. Can you explain that? Everything seems to hinge on everything else. Mm -hmm. If we don't, if we don't take care of ourselves, I believe that self-care is our foundation. And if we don't take absolute, that's a priority, I'm going to take care of this no matter what, then we don't show up well in the world. If we don't show up, then relationships suffer, our businesses suffer, our productivity suffers, the whole shebang. And then that relates to optimal performance. Because in business and as entrepreneurs, we want to be firing all four cylinders, we want to have full energy, we got to do all this stuff, but we can't unless we've got that foundation self-care, mm -hmm. you know, and that's to do with what we eat, what we put into our bodies, it's about the way that our relationships, it's all this real baseline stuff, and that, 
I think it's, it's like it has to be our priority. And our businesses, they come next. They come further down the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that also has to do with not associating or our identity not being what we do, but who we oh, are. Oh, my goodness. Totally. I totally get that. And, you know, when you've got a business, I get completely wrapped up in it as well because it's my passion. It's my baby. And I've also had it burn me out as well. So I've totally been there. And that's why I'm passionate about this subject. Because the, the effects of burnout are so detrimental. And if that goes on chronically, then that can lead to long-lasting disease. It's oh. just not worth getting down that road. <laughs> you know, I think we go right. down there, but it's recognizing those signs and then going, oh, hold a minute. I can see what's happening here. I'm going to just stop. Mm-hmm. sort this one out and this mm-hmm. got to be my priority to sort out yep what made you start working as a health coach like what what sparked this this change in your life why did you make this your business because I know what it's like to have I call it almost like zero health I know what it's like to be totally rock bottom to feel I remember a time in my life when I couldn't even stand up in the shower because I didn't have the energy to stand up. I was in oh, my early 20s. And so, and having, and that was my own detriment because I was a drug addict. I didn't care. I didn't care at all about my health. I was destroying myself. Mm-hmm. And I was completely destroying myself. Um, and because of having that like, low level, no level of health and feeling how bad that was and then starting to come out of it and realizing the impact that food and what I did with my body and how I could start repairing myself from all the massive amount of damage I did. And now, 20, 20 odd years on, I feel better than I've ever felt in my life. And I just know that it doesn't matter where somebody's at, they can start changing things mm. yeah so even if like their health can't be 100 percent, doesn't matter where they're at they can improve it to some level no matter where they are i totally believe that where you know i think that it takes a special person to be able to talk about rock bottom a lot of people don't relate can't relate can't understand don't know how you ever get there but when you're at rock bottom I think it would be great for you to break down to someone how to start coming out of rock bottom because I was a drug counselor. That was my last job before I started my business. And a lot of people can't do that because they don't understand. They have no empathy. They, they think, oh, it's just so simple. When you want to be better, you just are. And, and that just, oh, it's not true because I've struggled with anxiety, PTSD, and things like that my whole life. And, and, not only that, but smoking cigarettes. I have emphysema, but I have an addiction. And people think that smoking cigarettes is not an addiction. I'm like, you don't understand, you know? And so even working in treatment centers, you know, knowing that I have a disease that can kill me and knowing that the cigarettes, you know, people don't get that it's not that easy. So I want people to understand whether it's addiction, whether it's binging, whether it's, you know, eating disorder, whether it's mental illness, whether it's depression, anxiety, whether it's a relationship, toxicity, it comes in all different forms and rock bottom looks different on different people. Can you talk about how 
you get from rock bottom to the top of the mountain? The, a big one is to come out of denial. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was in denial for a long time. I thought I had a control over the drugs. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, and there's an invisible line, and one day you just step over that line. Mm-hmm. And even then, I was in denial. I, was, I woke up and I felt sick, like I had the flu. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I must have the flu. I didn't really put it down to, yeah, I crossed that line. I was hooked. Yeah. And it took me quite a while to get to that point. And then I wanted to do something about it, but I just, I didn't really, I didn't know how. And I didn't really want to go through that pain. I knew this was going to be painful. Mm-hmm. For me, though, I think what it took, so it's coming out of the denial, facing up to it. Yes, I need to do something about this. The thing which I found that made the, that completely changed my whole destiny was making a different decision. Mm-hmm. So what happened? I was completely, completely hooked on heroin, crack. I was completely out of control. I had drug counselors, but they wrote me off as a lost cause. They would have nothing else to do with me. Wow. They told me that, you know, that you should just say no. But they don't know what it's like when you're living in drug central, no. your whole life and where yeah. you live is all completely surrounded by drugs. Yep. You've got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just offered me some tea bags to help. And I was mm. like, really? <laughs> this ain't going to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. huh. Yeah, they didn't understand. And, 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 and the I, sad thing is a lot of people don't. Yeah. And it is. It's, it's, your, whole, it's your whole life. It's your whole existence. That becomes all of what you know. Mm-hmm. It also stems from pain. A lot of people oh. don't understand the magnitude of pain. Definitely. And when I, when I look back as well at my, at my past, I can start to unravel it because it wasn't like there was I had a very specific trauma mm-hmm. you know like a lot of people on the streets they had they were abused or something so mm-hmm. major traumatic event I can't say I had something specific mm-hmm. what I did have was growing up walking on eggshells as a child never knowing when things would erupt at home Mm-hmm. So knowing what I know now, what that does, it creates a nervous system response in the body. Exactly. So it's triggering because there's these two arms to the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic side, which is our fight or flight, or the parasympathetic side, which is our rest, it's our peaceful state, it's mm-hmm. our calm state, it's when we can really tune into our higher self yep. so anyway that sympathetic drive was getting triggered constantly as a child mm-hmm. so it's constantly there's like oh my god fight or flee situation mm-hmm. so the only way i could learn to really calm this whole thing down was to start doing drugs mm. and this is what happens to a lot of people mm-hmm. the nervous system is getting triggered yep. so they're turning to something whether that be foods like you say gambling shopping addictions, mm-hmm. anything to start to tone that response down. Mm-hmm. Quite often, even not even really aware of the small signs of it because it's quite insidious. So that's what I believe was probably the triggering thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then it just progressed and became this wildfire, which got completely out of control. So coming back to it, I made a decision one day. I was walking down the road. I won't ever forget it. It was the same road I walked by 
loads and loads of times and I was walking along and this voice came into my head and it was louder than the traffic and it said, you've got to stop what you're doing. You can do this. And I listened. It was, it overpowered my inner critic. The uh, voice that told me, you can't, it's too hard. You've got nowhere to go. You can't get into rehab because you've got no money. Mm-hmm. You've got no friends you can lean on because mm-hmm. everyone's a junkie as well. Mm-hmm. You can't go to your family. You don't want them to know what you're up to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all that. And I listened and I was like, and it was so loud that I had, yeah, I listened and I started thinking, okay. And it opened my eyes mm-hmm. and it probably tricked my, the reticulator activator system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That part in our brain that when mm-hmm. we're focused on something, we start to see opportunities around us Yep, because there's opportunities around us all the time. Yep. So although at that point I didn't know what to do, the RAS was triggered and I had this inside me that I was looking, I was searching. So then one day, another day, I was walking along and I walked past a travel agent and I saw in the window trips to Europe. And I thought, that's the way to do it. If I go to a foreign country, I can't speak the language, I won't be able to get any drugs. I didn't have a passport. I'd never been on a plane as an adult. Yet it seemed like I could do it. And so I don't know how I managed to do it. Um, I was with a partner at the time and his drug use was just as bad as mine. Very chaotic. But somehow between us, we managed to, we got two passports. We had three dogs at the time, managed to get them looked after. We managed to get rid of and sell most of our stuff, not that it's worth much. We got together 180 euros, got a friend to take us to the airport. We were on a plane. And next thing we are, we're in Portugal and we have this distant dream that we'll get clean and we'll get jobs over there and it will be perfect, this fairy tale. (laughs) It wasn't like that, I have to say. (laughs) But we ended up, um, we had a bit of methadone with us, which kept us stable enough for a little while. Mm -hmm. We went from Portugal um, to the end of Portugal. We slept on the beach, caught a ferry to Spain stayed at an airport for a few nights and that's when the withdrawal symptoms started kicking in. Uh, yeah. And then we bunked on another train because we had no money at this point. We ended up in a very sleepy little Spanish town in the middle of nowhere. And we were like, right now, what do we do? We've got no money and we're starting to get really sick. Mm-hmm. So the, the townspeople didn't really know what to make of us. People would drive by and they'd just be staring at us because mm-hmm. we were, we looked dirty, mm-hmm. roughed up hair. Um, we had a couple of backpacks with us, very scruffy looking. And we had all these flies buzzing around us, not leaving us alone. It's horrible. Wow. And so to get away from the townspeople and all these kind of staring or looking eyes, we just climbed up this big hill and we found a convent right at the top and there was a field behind it. So we just made a little camp there. We had, we had no tent, but we had a couple of sleeping bags. So we made a fire at night to try to keep warm because it only got to about probably plus three, but it was so cold at night. Ooh. And being, you know, going through withdrawal symptoms as well, you just end up shivering because mm-hmm. you're super cold, you're mm-hmm. pouring with sweat and, mm-hmm. and the sweat goes icy and it's all of those horrible symptoms. And the days were really hot and we were just out there in the beating sun. And we just went through that process. We had no food, we had no money. We were just sleeping rough. 
in a country in a, in a foreign country there were times when i thought we're gonna die here no one mm -hmm. will even know mm -hmm. this is this is it mm -hmm. yet somehow we managed to pull through yet yeah, we went and we did steal some food from the supermarket um but we we just did what we could to survive through that and we did and slowly started to feel better mm -hmm. although had absolutely no energy at all because not only were we going through withdrawal or coming through it we we're also massively dehydrated starving, starving. hungry yeah. <laughs> so the whole thing was pretty compounded but that's how that's how it got off do you know that the one thing I used to do for the clients was I would always make them move. I would tell them I would not send them back to where they came from. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't understand that. But the one thing that you have to change when you need change in your life is your environment. Oh, definitely. And it, definitely. Can, it can get from bad to worse, but it'll get better. A lot of people think that being alone is, is hard, but being alone is different than being abused or you know being addicted and it's not ideal most times when you start to implement change it's not ideal we have these fantasies of what it's going to look like and it never does but we also can never imagine the abundance that'll come from the other side that is so true and that that's what i found it was it was the harshest thing i've ever been through and if I'd stayed as I was, mm -hmm. I probably would have died or ended up in prison. Mm -hmm. So it would have been a lot, lot harsher. Mm -hmm. It's like that whole comfort zone thing. Mm -hmm. it's, like a, it's like a comfort zone, but comfort zones will get really uncomfortable at some point unless we do something to push past them. Exactly. And the other thing I tell people is that a cocoon is really ugly, but a butterfly is beautiful transformation doesn't always look good but it's necessary and i think sometimes it's almost like rites of passage we it's almost like we have to go through these tests to come through and out the other side and you're right abundance really can happen yep it's, it's just as soon as you start walking through doors and then more doors open and it just mm -hmm. keeps unfolding mm -hmm. and even with that it's not like since I came off and got into doing this stuff, it's been some glossy ride. Mm -mm. No, it's been really, really tough. Mm -hmm. Massively so. I'm building a business. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. You know, because people think, oh, you came off heroin and crack, then this should you all be easy. Anything. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I've just come up against different aspects of myself again and again and again and again. Yep. And every time, like, oh, here's something else. Yep. And it's like, oh, I've got to keep pushing through. But you know, the one thing that the tests teach us about ourselves is our own strength and resilience. And a lot of times we, you know, we start off with zero confidence and then we go through something and then people think, why are you crazy enough to take risks? You know? And it's like, you know why? Because I lived scared. I had zero confidence. I'm not going back there. So now I just put the pedal to the metal and I push and you know, it's, it's really hard to explain to people that don't get it because if you stay in your comfort zone, you will never see your true potential. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, I have these conversations with people too because sometimes people can go, well, it's easy for you. 
So no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Every day, every day, there's other stuff that comes up. Mm-hmm. You know, just because, yeah, there's, I've got a good level of resilience doesn't mean to say I don't get flawed because I do. Nope. Oh, my it gosh. I'm still human. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's exhausting. Even recently, even recently I had a massively difficult time in December. And again, it's just like, it's just confirming lessons to me mm-hmm. of what I teach and what I'm passionate about, about helping people um, to women to really, A, recognize their potential, B, go and get it, and C, put themselves as a priority so they don't burn out in that process. You know, because I keep learning it. I keep getting those, reconf- you know, reconfirmations. I keep learning it at a whole ni- another level. It's like life tests me mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Have you really got this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you doing this? <laughs> yep. So it's like I constantly keep proving this. That is so interesting. So tell listeners what you do, um, what your qualifications are, because I know we didn't talk about that. Aside yeah. from being a winner of life's hardest, testing the terrain oh thank you i trained first as a life coach no first i trained first in nlp um, because i was very inspired by tony robbins and what he did so i became master practitioner of nlp i felt i love many things about it but i felt there was a piece missing which was this the actual conversation bit is so much we're going to do this intervention and this and this and this and I really, the connection, the actual being with somebody, the processing emotions and not trying to do an intervention to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. 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 So then I trained as a coach. And then I, I thought it would be such an easy transition for me just to boom, come out there as a coach. And, but it wasn't. It was really hard to break into it. And also I came across, I came against myself again and again and again. I found a lot of fear to doing it. And so then I trained as a personal trainer. I just did, got through that. I was just starting a business. And then I thought, oh, it's a good idea to do a degree, um, which is not the best thing to do when you start a business. <laughs> I realized that. I'm there with you. I'm in my oh. last semester of my master's degree. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so tough. And, yeah, because I, I left school with no qualifications. I took absolutely nothing there. I hated school with a passion. And <laughs> I literally I finished um, at the Right at the beginning of the, of the last year, came rode up there on a motorbike, on the back of a motorbike with a pink Mohican and just said, right, I'm not going to come anymore. <laughs> I absolutely, yeah, no. So learning, um, and also I thought I was stupid as well because I didn't excel, I didn't enjoy any of the subjects. You were probably yeah, so too smart for your own good. That's the, that's the misconception a lot of people have, is that they don't understand yeah. that they're actually not being challenged. Wow, this, and I think school set up being a kinesthetic learner mm-hmm. and school just didn't really kind of suit that mm-hmm. learning style at yep. all. Yep. Uh, yeah. Anyway, and I'd really struggled and a lot of subjects I would just be, Oh my gosh. And smoke would be coming out my ears and I found it so hard to focus and learn. And, but yeah. And anyway, so I did the personal training and that gave me some, I thought, Oh, maybe I can do this. And so I just signed up for the degree. I didn't look at the syllabus. If I'd seen they did statistics as one of the modules, I would have quit right then and there. So, oh my gosh, big challenge. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's never even written an essay before. 
It's so funny because I'm in research methods, which is a form of statistics oh, yes. right now. That's, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, okay, so it's taken me nine years to finish my master's degree. And, oh. you know, life has gotten in the way. I've had a child, like, every time I was getting ready to finish. And it just keeps happening. Like, it's, you know. But what's funny is I saved this class for the last class because I hated it. And I have to face the music. And it's funny how life puts these tests before the finish line. It's like, if you really, you can't avoid things. There are some things that you just have to push through. And it's a, yeah. it's a true, t uh, my paper is sitting right here on the screen. Matter of fact, it's been sitting here for a week and I've, I, I did all the research and I just cannot see, I overthink it because I have anxiety about it. And really, if I would stop thinking and just do it, it would not be this complicated, but I have magnified it into this thing that's attacking me that's not that serious but it's so funny how we do this because we are so um we put these things in our heads you know and yeah. it's doubt and it's fear and we can't say that we don't have any when we're sitting here entertaining it yeah oh my goodness yeah that inner critic just comes up again and again and again oh my goodness and yeah i i I remember doing research methods because that, that was exactly that module. Oh, mm, my goodness. That man, was, you can keep it. Uh, and uh, strangely enough, I got a first for that subject. I don't know how, how I did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it just it's, shows it's amazing what you can do. It is very true. And when we yeah. actually take our own advice, we're yeah. pretty good. Definitely. We're pretty Definitely. good. But sometimes... Um, yeah, what I used to do is is go away, go for a walk, and then my brain would just start to settle down, and then boom, I'd just come out of some stuff, and then mm -hmm. I'd get stuck again, and then I'd remove myself, mm -hmm. do something different, come back, and just be able to go back in a bit further, but I had many times sitting there in tears at the computer through that degree oh my goodness loads of it and also just going again massive stress loads of my my business um i had a had this gym which was in a garage mm -hmm. and we had massive flooding in england <gasps> and the roof was flooding i go in every day and there'd be like water everywhere and i'd be like oh my goodness the guy who was who owned it didn't do anything but he, he said it's too dangerous to go on the roof we got all this too wet we've got this flooding oh. so i was like okay, I've got to do this myself. So I got up on the roof, I got a friend, and we're putting all this tarpaulin over the roof. I was going for that. My dad was in and out of hospital. He had pneumonia. He was hallucinating. You know what it's like. Life just kicks off. Yep, and you're like, yep, yep. Oh, it, comes, it stands in the oh, way. <laughs> yeah. And so, again, you know, so I, had, so I had this terrible fatigue and brain fog because I was going through the degree, and it was so tough. Let me tell again, you, brain fog is something. Oh. I, I know that thing so well. Yeah. Brain, oh. brain fog is like a friend of mine. It comes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's so good is that when you're able to recognize that it's defeat that's coming to knock you off your game, it's almost like you accept the challenge, buckle up, put your belt on and say, all right, let's do this. Because after a while, when you start seeing things differently and you make the choice to address life differently, it literally is a choice. Just like you mentioned, I always ask people, what was your aha moment? And you described yours so clearly. 
walking down the street. And people don't understand that it's probably come and you've dismissed it, but it literally is normally a day, a time, a place, or a situation that comes to you and you're like, you know what? I'm not doing this. It's like the day that I fired my boss, you know? Everybody thought I lost my mind. And I'm like, yeah, well, I've heard that before, you know? And it was, a, it was just a thing of I knew that it wasn't what I was designed to do anymore and I wasn't taking orders from somebody who didn't have a heart for what I had a heart for. And, you know, I was not going to be told to treat clients a certain way. I was not going to be, you know, forced to do something I didn't want to do. And I was not going to conform anymore. And we talk about how hard it is. But the thing is, is that when you have peace in your heart, you can do anything. That's what it is. That's, and it's listening to that intuition. So I really do believe in that, that concept of having a higher self. Mm-hmm. You know, because I believe that that's what spoke to me that day. And that's mm-hmm. what came through you at that point. But a lot of people too scared to then yep. go with that, mm-hmm. to go to listen to that voice and take mm-hmm. action. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's, it's not what you want to hear. Mm-mm. Sometimes it's not the action that's comfortable. Generally, it isn't. And a lot of times it's like, how? Like you hear it, but you're like, where do I start? And that's why I always like to give people tips because it's easy for life coaches to constantly say, you're worth more, you're worth more. But they're like, okay, but you're not giving me any answers. Like, why should I hire you? But the reality of it is, is that, you know, as a therapist, I realized that there was a wall. A lot of people don't they don't respond to the wall of authority when you have a therapeutic client relationship. And that's why I decided to be a coach because a lot of people need somebody to walk with them. They don't need somebody just telling them what they need to do because they can't see between where they are and where they need to be. Nobody's given direction on how to get there and what that path looks like. And that's what a lot of people need. And so that's what you do for women. When you're talking about health, wellness, and, and stagnation, you know, you're talking about action you know, how to execute. So tell um, listeners how they can find you and what they would be signing up for. You can find me at my website, which is carlyhealth.com. I spell Carly, K-A-L-I. So just go on there. There's a free ebook from stressed out to supercharged in 24 hours. So go and get the book. And then by giving me my email address, then I can at least uh, keep in contact with you. You can feel free to email me and ask for any help at all. I also do a one-to-one health transformation coaching program, which really helps to take people through this. It's a massive lot of support. Um, I meet with somebody a couple of times a month through um, online and we also contact whatsapp whenever somebody wants so it's this real because that's what i found i suppose and that's what annoyed me about the whole um weight watchers or these kind of um all the drug counselors it was like i've got to wait till my session to uh-huh. get some help but as yep. many the help was never in the session yep exactly. so i really want to just give people you know you can just contact me mm-hmm. and the thing is is that you know right when the session is ending is when the meat and potato starts coming out it's oh, like yeah. okay now we're <laughs> getting somewhere up it's time to go hold your feelings until the next time you know and and that was the that was the dilemma I had too because I was that person that would have I was a group therapist we'd have powerful groups and then you'd have to wait till the next time or they would come and say well can you teach group every day I'm like no (laughs) But, but 
if I'm your coach, then there's no, there's no limit to what I can do. I hate having limitations on how I can help people. That was the problem in my career for 20 years. It was like, go to this house, do an investigation, but only help this much, but don't see any of that over there, but just do this and make sure that you don't stay there too long and help too much, you know, and that's really how it is broken down in a lot of places. And, and that was a, a struggle for me. So listeners, I really hope you're listening because the reality is when you have the right resources and the right connections, you can do anything. So, um, I want to say Callie, but you did not say that. How did you say it? Callie. See, but I can't say it with the accent, but you sound, you make it sound so good. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I want to thank you for being here. I mean, your story, you know, I got excited this morning because I remember when you told me about your story, I was like, this is the person, these are the type of people I want to work with because a lot of people just don't understand what, what trauma, what life, what addiction, what these things look like. They look at us now and they say, there's no way, you know, or you don't look like what you've been through, or you don't look like an addict, you know, just like I get, you don't look like a smoker. What does that look like? You know, you, you don't look like you're depressed. What, what am I supposed to look like? You know, you don't look like you're giving up. Well, you know, what, what is that? So I really like to be able to put people's stories, you know, put people in front of other people so that they can know what they look like and how authentic, you know, you can be, you know, it's okay to talk about your imperfections. It's okay to talk about your labels. It's okay to tell your truth. A lot of people are so afraid to speak up. And I just really hope that every episode and every day, somebody else has the courage to ask for help or to even tell their story because you have no idea who you could be helping. That is so true. And I'm so grateful to be able to do this because I always felt that it's worth every bit of pain that I ever went through if I can just help somebody. And I remember when I was an addict, I listened to other people's stories and I was inspired by them. Exactly. And it made me believe that there was hope because there was none around me. Mm -hmm. So people's stories are powerful and we've all got a story to tell. Yep. So um, this is absolutely true. And like she said, we all have a story to tell. So thank you for being here. And um, listeners, that's another episode of Your Voice, Your Power. Um, Check out Kali's information at KaliHealth.com, K-A-L-I-H-E-A-L-T-H.com. And I will also put her information in the description. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. I'm Anika Wilson. Stay powerful.